Welcome to episode 101 of the GTO on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is federal analyst Anshul Sag. Let's get started with my first topic. And news broke this week that Orange, or Orange, and Ericsson are piloting a 5G drone surveillance system in the port of Vigo, Spain. And I found this to be pretty interesting. Most of the use cases for 5G within ports is more about IoT and control. So the question that came to my mind was, could there be a longer term impact and application for this beyond ports? And I think so. So at a very high level, they are using very high resolution cameras attached to drones to basically monitor whether um, there are people in unauthorized areas of the port. And this is a beautiful uh, use case for for 5G, given 5G's ultra low latency and the ability for it to connect to a a control center within the um, within the port. And again, you know, depending on the spectrum that they're using um, can cover, you know, quite a quite a distance and ports are very, very large operations. So I don't know if you caught this news this week, but I thought it was pretty cool. What do you think? I did not. However, I have been to the port of Vigo. um, And it is an interesting place because I I believe it's on the oil rich northern coast of Spain. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is a lot of um, port traffic there, but I believe the primary business there is actually um, kind of ingesting and um, exporting oil. So um, it's, a, it's a very wealthy town because of that. Um, yeah. So you definitely have the ability to um, spend the money to, to make this a possible use case. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will be interesting to see what other use cases get, get deployed in ports outside of just the, you know, the usual IoT yeah. um, app tracking uh, kind of scenario. So it's yeah. interesting to see that they're going to be using drones for security purposes, obviously, you know, in conjunction with humans, but um, makes a lot harder to um, hide from a camera when the camera can move around and detect, you know, um, hopefully, you know, it has a thermal camera as well. So uh, it would be very interesting to see how that, how that works out. Yeah. And they're obviously they're leveraging AI and a lot of the smart cameras that are available today um, use uh, artificial intelligence as well for computer vision type applications. This is part of a a larger project, which is called the 5G National Plan in Spain. And the program's development uh, purpose is for uh, ensuring 5G technology um, is piloted. And it's also promoted by the Ministry of Economic Affairs and Digital Transformation in Spain. So I I think the applications could extend to large corporate campus environments um, where you could deploy this sort of uh, solution and eliminate a lot of the, the, the foot walking of traditional security people and that sort of thing. But it's super interesting, just another really uh, killer use case from my perspective that highlights the power of 5G. But let's move to your first topic this week. You wanna talk about US Cellular. Yeah, so US Cellular uh, is expected to build up their new mid-band network. Uh, and this is using the $2 billion in spectrum that they, um, that they paid for uh, in the 3.45 gigahertz band, um, that was the 100 megahertz auction, um, and that you know they they won a considerable amount of that, 
and they're going to be using that to, to build out their mid-band network. And um, the expectation is that they're going to be using uh, um, Nokia and Ericsson hardware, um, which is kind of, you know, standard uh, expected. The one surprising thing is that Samsung is not included uh, in this build out. And US, US Cellular has previously used Ericsson's equipment for low band and millimeter wave 5G services. Mm -hmm. um, but Nokia is likely to be part of this 3.45 gigahertz build out uh, with their air, air scale products. I don't know how I managed to mess that up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's gonna be expected to roll out by the end of this year. Um, well, start to roll out by the end of this year and be built out um, by the end of next year. So um, it's probably going to be a slower rollout. Uh, and, you know, they, they're, they're rolling out their, their millimeter wave as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that um, footprint looks like because U.S. Cellular is a much smaller operator than the, the big three. Um, yeah. But there's a possibility that this combined with millimeter wave could potentially offer some very compelling use cases and, and applications, uh, as well as just overall consumer, uh, you know, experience. So I, I don't know, what are your thoughts? Well, we've talked about US Cellular's millimeter wave uh, rollout, I believe is on a couple of podcasts to go. I think, I think this is smart. I'm surprised that, you know, Ericsson isn't in the, um, well, Ericsson is in the mix. I'm surprised that Samsung's not in the mix uh, because they have capabilities in Oran and, VRAN and that sort of thing. I, I didn't really catch this news, so I'm still getting up to speed on it. But how much uh, is OpenRAN a sort of a part of their, their build out for their mid-band? Um, it doesn't really seem like it is. Okay. That's I interesting. didn't see any mention of OpenRAN or ORAN. That's interesting. Um, just given, like you mentioned, US Cellular's position, they are, they've been right behind the, the big you know, three in the US. And they have, you know, quite a rural footprint. And mm -hmm. so they're going to be challenged from, from a CapEx perspective in getting those, those build-outs done timely. And, you know, OpenRAN could potentially help close the gap there. But I, I, think, I think in that sense, they also have limited resources mm -hmm. on the OpEx <laughs> side of maintaining ORAN. So I think that's also a component of it is, you know, they might actually be too small for the headcount necessary to maintain all the software and and um, you know hardware, being able to actually re constantly maintain it instead of um, you know do a, do a much more traditional deployment. That's a good point. You know, turnkey versus you know something that's disaggregated does require a lot more integration, a lot more babysitting. So that's that's a great insight, my friend. Well, let's move to my second topic this week. I want to talk about Nokia, and they've introduced recently several industrial 5G devices. And so the first question I had before I dug into it was, are they straying outside of their core competency from an infrastructure perspective? And as actually I dug into it, this really comes from Nokia's frustration around a lack of industrial 5G devices. So we've talked about Nokia Enterprise in the past relative to their traditional incumbent uh, competitors. They, they definitely have a lead within private 5G. They've been focused on it um, considerably longer than, than, than Ericsson and Samsung. But 
um, you know, from my perspective, what they've decided to do is partner with Savo or Savix Communications, which is also in Finland. And so it's sort of an OEM. And this isn't new. Um, at Mobile World Congress, there were some, some routers and radio push-to-talk radios that are branded Nokia that they were showing in their booth. Uh, that sort of supplements what they're doing from, from a private 5G perspective. So in some of the devices, the new products include an AI latent video camera for various QuickTime industrial analysis, wearable cameras for site surveillance and staff communications. And they also state plus a range of handheld remote speaker microphones, noise canceling and helmet compatible headsets. So as I dug into it, this is actually smart. Nokia recognized a, a lack of those industrial 5G devices partnered with a company that's been doing ruggedized industrial um, type solutions for quite some time. And I think it's a solid solution. What do you think? I actually missed this announcement. So um, I actually don't know that much about it, but I do think it's interesting because it is a little bit outside of their core. Um, but I also think that, you know, if they're not the ones that are necessarily building and that they have a partner who has a little bit more experience building hardware, um, yeah. that's probably the right approach. That said, you know, um, there were definitely some issues with um, Nokia's um, FWA device that they were um, rolling out on T-Mobile. So um, it, it's a possibility that they could run into issues with this hardware as well. Um, so I think Nokia is definitely trying to expand and probably learning a lot of lessons along the way. Um, but as they say, you know, if, if someone doesn't build it, then, you know, maybe you have to. And that sounds like it might be one of those cases where um, Nokia doesn't see people filling the market uh, fast enough and for them to be able to sell infrastructure, they need endpoints. So yeah, um, I think that's kind of what this is really about. I don't really see this being a long-term strategy for them. Great insights, my friend. Well, let's move to your second topic. And you want to talk about AT&T and they recently made a statement uh, with respect to their status on deploying 5G standalone. And you wanted to share that with our viewers and listeners. Yeah, so I um, was reading a uh, article on Fierce Wireless uh, and it was about AT&T saying that they will activate 5G standalone core when devices are ready. Um, I unfortunately you know, was not able to uh, get a hold of anyone at AT&T to clarify, uh, but I did reach out. Um, and the interesting part is um, they actually uh, had Gordon Mansfield speak at a conference uh, called ConnectX, which I actually think I was invited to, I wasn't able to attend. So, um, and, he, and he talked about uh, the fact that uh, it's not, the, their, their core deployment isn't actually tied to any spectrum or infrastructure, but that, the, um, that, that there's an issue with battery life uh, using standalone mode. And um, when you're on non-standalone, you're using LTE. Um, but basically he's saying that standalone mode uses more power. And um, while I haven't really heard that from anyone before, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm doing some digging. My understanding is there really aren't many applications where standalone uses more power. Right. Except for if you're using wider bandwidth, which yeah. is expected. Um, maybe if you're in a, um, in a more passive state, in a standby state, there's a possibility that it could, could consume more power if you're connected to wider bands. 
Um, but that wouldn't really be a huge difference, except for the fact that, you know, unless you're just constantly on standby and are expecting days of standby. Um, but the reality is people are mostly using their devices. Um, and I have a feeling that the, 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 the consumption on standby is fairly low uh, as a percentage of the device's overall power consumption, yeah, regardless yeah. of whether or not standalone is an increased power. Um, so I'm not really sure if, if that necessarily tracks with what I understand. Yeah. Um, it's interesting is I actually kind of agree with some of our, our colleagues um, uh, at Del Oro, Del Oro Group who said, you know, it's more about the mid-band network um, and having that built out. And I think that's a much better explanation uh, than um, the devices aren't ready. Because if you ask any OEM or any other carrier, I, you don't really hear that as an excuse. So uh, I thought that was a very odd um, choice, but you know, it, it's worth something worth investigating and I'm going to look into it deeper, but my understanding is it, it really isn't an issue. And, um, this might be a little bit more of a deflection than anything. Yeah. It's interesting because obviously part of the 5G new radio standard provides some, uh, improvements and power management for devices on a network. I mean, certainly 5G supports a lot more devices than LTE does. But um, this, this is odd to me as well, that, um, that you know, AT&T would be stating that it's a power issue, um, you know, and that, you know, it's a lack of device support and that sort of thing. But it's something certainly that we can dig into. We, we have great relationships, both of us with AT&T. So we will definitely do that. And maybe by the time we post the, uh, the podcast, we'll be able to provide some additional color on that. But let me move to my third and final topic this week. And I want to talk about T-Mobile. So they recently announced their private 5G offering, which I've been waiting for for quite some time. We've been talking about standalone. They are first to standalone. Standalone unlocks the true promise of 5G from a latency and throughput and performance and device support perspective. And so <clears throat> they did unveil sort of a three path uh, to private. Um, they're actually positioning their public network for certain applications. And I'm assuming that's, that could be a slice. Um, they have something called hybrid mobile, which is a combination of their public network and private. Then they have a private mobile network offering as well. And um, I learned this week that Nokia is a big part of their build out. And they're working with Nokia on um, the hybrid and on the private modes. And, uh, you know, is it a smart move? I think it certainly is. You know, T-Mobile picked the most mature of the traditional um, infrastructure providers out there in Nokia to help them with, uh, with private networking. I, I guess what I'm really looking for is, you know, T-Mobile's invested in the network. They've got the most complete spectrum footprint. They are certainly in a great position to launch private network services with standalone. But where are the use cases? Where are the applications? So what do you think? Um, I also saw this announcement and um, it kind of came a little under the radar. Um, but I would say that they also announced that they'll be working with Ericsson and Dell Technologies. So um, this is a, you know, a three company partner announcement. And my understanding is that uh, Ericsson will be providing um, some of the uh, RAN and core solutions for this 5G advanced network solutions portfolio. Right. Um, and I'm not quite sure what Dell is providing, but I assume it's 
also probably some of the private networking solutions, maybe some open RAN. And I, I think, you know, giving customers choice um, yeah. might also be a good thing um, because maybe not one network vendor can um, necessarily deliver everything um, all at once. So I think it's, it's good that they have um, some opportunity to give people choice. I think they, um, you know, they have these three different flavors of public mobile, hybrid mobile, and private mobile. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they build that out um, and how they tell that story because it felt like um, we got a press release and not much else. Right. And it would it'd be great to kind of understand a little better how that um, gets deployed and, you know, what customers are looking for. And, you know, I, I think there's there's a lot more that, that we have yet to learn from, from T-Mobile on this side. But I feel like this might be more of a teaser announcement than a, you know, a full-fledged one. So we might be getting more later on. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the other partners because it just wasn't Nokia. Um, I can definitely confirm uh, unequivocally that Dell doesn't necessarily have a private 5G as a service offering, but what they're very focused on is enabling Open RAN. They have this relationship with Mavenir and um, that that offload card. And so, you know, it wasn't specifically stated, but I imagine Dell's a part of sort of that, that Open RAN build out. Mm-hmm. But with that said, let's move to your third and final topic. And you want to talk about the DOD and the CISA releasing a 5G security evaluation process. Yes. So like many governmental agencies, um, there are processes and standards and requirements for doing things. Um, And the uh, CISA, which is Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, uh, and the DOD released a 5G security evaluation process investigation study, um, which means that there is a study they've done um, that kind of helps different governmental agencies identify um, whether or not they need a 5G solution to a problem. Um, And I have gone many clicks deep on this. Um, This is actually, the document itself is extremely long. Um, I think it's 44 pages. So I have not gotten through the 44 pages. Um, And this is version one published today. So it's very fresh and new. Um, And there are about a a dozen authors that are involved in this. Um, And it's talking about, you know, 5G and and giving like a process of evaluation. It's a five-step process. And I think that's the depth that I'll go into in terms of talking about this. But um, the step one is to define the federal 5G use case. Then uh, step two is to identify the assessment boundary. Step three is to identify security requirements. Step four is to map security requirements to federal guidance. And step five is to assess security guidance gaps and alternatives. So the good thing here is that um, there's a lot of talk about security and, and that security is a critical component of um, how the government wants agencies to look at 5G. And I think Uh, That's really important because um, we need more security in our infrastructure. And if we're really going to deploy 5G in as many places as it can go, um, there's going to be a need to um, kind of deploy security at every level and think security first. Um, There's a, there's a, you know, 
a flow chart for you know 5G system talking about user equipment, RAN, core, Mac, cloud, orchestration. Um, so that you know there's there's this is a very well thought out document. It's also very detailed. Um, and it kind of explains to people the difference between um, you know open RAN, private core, private Mac, um, you know, hybrid, um, and and it and kind of how how a an agency can use 5G. Um, it definitely looks like it's very much more focused on um, security, which makes sense because this is CISA. Right. But um, it's very interesting to see how they've addressed threats and kind of how they look at uh, 5G as a um, a technology for enabling the U.S. government, but also um, you know evaluation processes and and making sure that um, the government is using 5G securely. No, I think it's a great thing. Um, you know, 5G inherently has much better security provisions than LTE, but this is a huge issue. You know, I also cover security for the firm. We talk about it um, because it intersects with 5G on this podcast. And um, it's certainly an important thing because 5G is being, you know, like you mentioned, considered for deployment within military applications, but it's also gonna be integrated into uh, critical infrastructure management like energy grid management and that sort of thing. So, and certainly telecommunications is also critical infrastructure. So one of the reasons why the Chinese vendors have been shown the boot in this country. So um, I think it's a good thing. Um, threat actors are becoming much more sophisticated. I think the current geopolitical environment has raised the visibility on um, cybersecurity hacks. I was just reading recently about um, a GM um, infiltration. You know, General Motors, I mean, one of the largest companies on the planet, they're, they're not immune from this sort of thing as well. I don't think that was 5G related, but um, you know, cybersecurity is a huge issue. We've talked about, I've talked about on uh, blogs on Forbes and, and on this podcast about how, how important, how critical this is. So um, I think this is a good first step and I'm sure there'll be uh, much more to do uh, down the road. But uh, with that, I wanna thank our listeners and viewers for putting up with my voice quality today. I'm a little horsey, but uh, Anshul, it's been another great podcast. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Town Tech and I'm at Anshel Sog. We hope you have a great weekend and please tune in again next week.